This is the Shopify Dropify, hosted by The Cut. I think the biggest opportunities around e-commerce generally are the ability to have a very specialised product, but to be able to access a big enough customer base to make that niche work. Try to work out where you think your target demographic goes and try to get in front of them. We try to do that in terms of we have the growing instructions on the back of the packet for when people do actually buy it. And I think part of that is a good thing by keeping it simple on the website. When they get the product, then they've got the information to grow it so they're not kind of overwhelmed. This is episode 46 of the Shopify Dropify. Welcome. Keep listening to hear Ben talk with Paul Beveridge, the Shopify business owner of Perth Hills Veggie Co. This business grows and sells seeds for fruit, vegetables, herbs, flowers and produce. This is an interesting conversation with a highly specialised business that is experiencing healthy growth. Pardon the pun. Thanks for joining us. Hello, Paul. Please introduce yourself and tell us about Perth Hills Veggie Co. Hi, Ben. Um, well, Perth Hills Veggie Co was a small business that I started back in 2015. Okay. And we started off life as a, a boutique nursery growing heirloom vegetable seedlings. Can you explain what heirloom vegetables are, please? So, heirloom obviously would dictate that they're old. Sure. So they're open pollinated varieties, which means that they're, without getting too intricate, yep. that you can save the seeds from those plants and grow them and the next generation will come out exactly the same okay. as the previous generation. Okay, can you give us a few examples of what those, those, that produce is? Like just a few pe- ones that people will know? Well, a lot of people would probably be most familiar with heirloom tomatoes. Sure, yep. So things like, you know, the San Marzano, Italian sauce tomatoes. Okay. Black Russians, green zebras, there's a lot of cherry tomatoes, you know, there are hundreds of varieties of... I love the names, they're very exotic. They are, and that's a big part of it, they've got exotic names, they've got exotic appearances, okay. and they've also got, most importantly, I think they've got fantastic flavour. I was about to say, the flavour and the smell is probably quite exotic as well. Well, it's exotic if you want to compare it to a supermarket tomato. Absolutely, which I guess you always do. So um, I know you've got quite an interesting story. You're in somewhat of a sort of a tree change uh, position in your current business, aren't you? Can you tell us a little bit about your previous career and sort of making the change to what you're doing now? Yeah, well, I, was, I worked as an accountant for over 10 years. In the CBD here in Perth? At some points, yeah. Yep. I, I mean, I grew up over in Victoria in Victoria, New South Wales and then Perth and okay. worked in a variety of different industries doing accounting, you know, yep. stuck in a nice little office and, you know, and working away at spreadsheets, which isn't always, you know, and that you, appealing. And now you are doing, what are you doing day to day now and how different is it? Well, it's very different in that, you know, I used to be up at seven and, you know, head off for the 40 or 50 minute trek into the city or yep. wherever it was I was working at the time. and. Yep. And, you know, do your eight, ten, however many hours to, to get your work done. Whereas now my day, I suppose, is very different in that I get up, I go outside. And your farm, you live on your, on your farm or your property where you're growing the seeds and the, and the plants and the vegetables, etc. Yeah, that's right. So we've only got a couple of acres. Yep. I'd like probably a couple of hundred more. But a couple of hundred more. That might have to wait a little while. Good to have the growth plans there, mate. <laughs> very good. Uh, and so what, what prompted you to make that change? How did you go from being a city accountant to a, you know, a hills based uh, on, a, on somewhat rural property growing things in the soil? Well, I guess like most people is that you, know, you get married, you have kids and, and your outlook on life changes a little bit. Sure. And those things that you know, maybe weren't that important you know, three or five years earlier suddenly think actually 
that's what we should be doing. Okay, so it was sort of a lifestyle driver and... Yeah. And did you have an interest in growing fruit and vegetables and plants previously? You must have. Yeah, I'd always grown things. Okay. The difference was I had, you know, a little courtyard here or, you sure. know, a couple of pots of herbs on a windowsill that there. That sounds or... very familiar to me. So, yeah, so it went from that to all of a sudden, you know, growing things. On... For a living? For a so, living. So what, that... what does your day-to-day look like now? Like, wh- wh- how are you spending most of your time day-to-day? Well, generally the first couple of hours I spend outside either planting, you know, watering, yep. generally just, you know, looking after the plants and making sure that everything's growing as it should be, fertilising, you know, whatever needs to be done before sure. it gets too hot, yep. particularly yep. on a day like today. Indeed. And then heading back inside and, you know, firing up the computer and checking how many orders we've got to ship out and then okay. getting busy on that. Okay, so. so you've got a really interesting kind of dual thing there. So you're out, out with your hands in the dirt and your feet in the dirt literally and then you're into a digital, uh, on the, on, into the digital side. So you're online, you're on a computer Are you, and you're very hands-on with both obviously. You're just as hands-on with the digital and the e-commerce side of the business? Yeah, well I have to be because I do, you know, 99% of it myself. Completely. Which, you know, for most people who've started a small business, that is what you have to generally do. Absolutely, and most merchants are in exactly the same position. So we really like to kind of, I guess, hear your, um, your insights and, I guess, advice, but, but just to get your shared experiences with the people that listen. And a lot of people that listen in are merchants and e-commerce merchants like, like yourself or, you know, maybe, maybe planning it or, or have ambitions to launch something. So... Where do you think the biggest opportunities lie for e-commerce businesses at the moment in 2019 based on what you're experiencing? I think the biggest opportunities around e-commerce generally are the ability to have a very specialised product, but to be able to access a big enough customer base or potential customer base to make that niche work. In that I couldn't just grow and sell seeds for, you know, in a five or ten kilometre radius. No, absolutely not because when we produce seeds, we produce quite a, a large number of seeds. Yeah. And then we actually have to be able to package those up into, you know, little envelopes and sell however many we produce. Yeah. So the economies of scale to be able to do something very niche, but to be able to sell those seeds to a, a very broad range of customers, I guess, is the, the major thing that I see, that you can actually specialise in something. Completely. And in a lot of ways with e-commerce, having a niche and a specialisation is a huge advantage rather than... Tr- being something that offers many things. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And as I said at the start, we started off running a nursery, growing seedlings. And what we found is that although we were good at what we did and we had specialised in a certain thing, that we didn't actually have any great advantage over other commercial nurseries operating in in the Perth area. Okay. So the seeds themselves became your niche based on something you were doing before, that became more of a niche for you? That's right, and it wasn't really planned. Yeah, know. okay. I sort of thought, I didn't really start the business with great expectations of what it was going to achieve. You right. Know, it was simply build a small tunnel, start growing some seedlings, go to a few, you know, country ag shows and markets and, and let's see what happens sure. kind of thing. It's a, not, I won't say it was fun, I was done seriously, but of course, but with the right ideas behind it. Yeah. And then what I found within that first month was people are going, but where can I buy seeds? Where do you get your seeds from, you know? Yeah. So I then realised, you know, after I think it took me about a month of being asked that, you know, each consecutive market or show that I went to, and I thought, I'll put together some packets. 
So I got some envelopes and played around with the printer and thought, well, I can print plant labels. I must be able to print envelopes out of here somehow. And I put together some, which I designed myself, and quite frankly, they looked quite terrible. Uh, well, all things often do in the beginning, but yeah, then they, get, they improve. Definitely a prototype, but the thing was that people actually bought them, and what happened was then they were asking, but do you have this and do you have that? Yeah. And what happened was I then tried to grow the two businesses side by side, essentially. Yeah, so the, the, the plants and the seedlings and the seeds themselves side by side? Yeah, yeah, because obviously I'd started off on one course and, you know, sure. being reasonably you had to stubborn. transition to the other. Yeah, and yeah. that took probably the first two years I primarily focused on just growing plants and the seeds was kind of like a sideline. Yep. And at the point of about two years we started to get wholesale inquiries that we weren't really going out looking for. Sure. And then starting from, you know, people who bought them previously and obviously, you know, then, you know, Google you and, and ring you up and, and are then requesting other varieties and where can I buy them? And So you were very much responding to a, a, a need that emerged because people, customers were asking you, asking you for something consistently and repetitively. That's right, and eventually I must have listened. Well, it only <laughs> took four weeks. I'd say you listened pretty quickly, mate. If you had, like, one or two really valuable insights of something that you've learned on your journey specifically around the e-commerce part of it, what would those things be that you'd share with other um, e-com business owners who might be in a similar position to yourself? I think the first thing is just try things out and don't, yep. don't be afraid to actually try and I think the fact that it took me two years to actually set up a website and put the seeds on there mainly just because I didn't really think that there was a need for it sure but if I tried it earlier it probably it, there's no reason it wouldn't have been just as successful a year or two earlier but so I give just it a go. hadn't done it so give it a go if you if you've got a niche that you suspect might uh, have customers in it give it a try and test it yeah that's right and and don't be afraid to change things and just and listen to what people say. I think. Absolutely, that's very important, isn't it, to respond to your customers. Yeah, and even though a lot of what we're doing was online, is to actually still maintain a good offline presence where you're actually talking to people and still completely doing that learning that you Ab can then use online. Well, I was going to say, you kind of inadvertently tested the market, didn't you? Because you had the market telling you they were ready for something, whereas... For someone who might not be going out and doing those physical interactions with potential customers, we would always sort of encourage them to do some sort of test of the market, see if there's an appetite for this thing you're planning in whatever way that might be, like speak to existing customers, do a simple activation at a farmer's market or an expo or something like that and see if people have an appetite for what you're planning to sell at a scale. Yeah, I think that's right. And find, you know, try to work out where you think you're target demographic goes for sure and try to get in front of them absolutely take a product and what i used to do was take multiple products so for example you know we used to grow pots in round plants in round pots and square pots and the okay. round ones sold better right and people were willing to pay more for that product okay so go and try it and then yep. you know if someone says you know there's not enough seeds in the packet then ask them well how many seeds are you after yeah and so ask them why they're after that many and then start to understand what, what they actually want because yeah, then they'll really, start to open up. Really good advice. So test, test, ask questions and respond to the input that you're getting back on your products. Yeah, that's right. And, and don't take offence because it, it's not personal. It's just 
about the customer telling you about what they actually want. It's learning your customers and at the end of the day if you can if you can learn them, understand them and respond to what they're after then your business is going to do better, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's that's the biggest thing. We all go in there with an idea of how we're going to start our business. I did, you probably did. Yeah. And then... Things change. It changes, it evolves and you, it's how well you react and and evolve to meet the customer's needs. Completely agree. Nothing sits still, does it? Particularly not uh, in digital as well. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, sort of myself, I guess, dealing with like living products or seeds, given that they're, you know, something that, that's, I guess, organic and, and a plant-based product, do you have any unique challenges with that sort of product in the e-commerce space? Well, the seeds only have a certain viable life. Okay. And that varies from seed to seed, so things like beans can last five to six years. Okay, that's quite a long time. Just quite a long time. Yeah. And then things like lettuce, probably about two to two and a half years is the viable life of, okay. of lettuce from when it, the seeds are harvested from the plant to when they all stop germinating. And, it, and are they kind of equally viable in that time frame or do they gradually decrease and become less viable as time passes? Yeah, it decreases and it's sort of, for the first, like using lettuce as that example, the first yeah. 12 months of your germination you would expect to be between 90 to 100%. Okay. And in the next six months it'll start to decline and then at that two year mark it really declines rapidly. Yeah, okay. So your, your challenge then is to, you can't stockpile products for years and years and years, you have to make sure you're, you're moving them through while they're ultimately, uh, optimally viable. That's right, which also means that we then have to be planting the next crop so yep. we can harvest more seeds in anticipation of when we're going to sell out of the previous batch. Yeah. And what about selling into markets, given that it's like a, you know, it's a plant-based product? Do you have any restrictions or, or challenges around that? Like selling into different geographical locations or anything like that? Well, we supply all the mainland Australian states. Okay. Primarily our aim was to actually just supply WA because we thought you know, we started as a locally based business, sure. you know, as per the name that we gave it, it was yeah, supposed yeah. to have a very local... And it does have that lovely local feel in, in both the name Perth Hills Veggie Co and, and the look of the branding and even down to the paper stocks you use on your envelopes, which because people can't see what we're talking about, they're of nice sort of brown sort of recycled paper, aren't they? That's right, and it not only looks like it's recycled, it actually is 100% you know, post-consumer recycled paper, which I think... Awesome. I assumed it would be. It has that look and feel about it, which is lovely for, for your product and the sector you're operating in. Obviously, your market will appreciate that sort of thing, won't they? That's right. And a lot of people say, they look at it and they say, it looks organic. Yeah, completely. And I think that's something with a product is that you want it to not sell itself, but to give the vibe that you're trying to, to, to show people without having to explain it to them. Completely. It, it's aligning with your brand and, and what you stand for and what your products are ultimately all about. If you had sort of high gloss bleached white paper on your envelopes, it, would be, it wouldn't be a match, would it? It wouldn't fit with you guys. No, that's right, because you can use those that, and you just throw the envelope into your compost bin. Lovely. And that's a really nice little, like, little specific example about kind of delivering on that brand personality and your brand values right through the experience from the website to the products that someone receives at their doorstep. It's, uh, it's great. It's really well done and, and nicely done. Can I ask you about starting off with Shopify? Like, did you start your e-commerce business with Shopify or did you experiment with other platforms? What did that look like for you? Well, for us, we started off selling mainly wholesale, and that was partly a, a lifestyle decision that I didn't want to be 
working on weekends all the time okay. or running a shop or those sort of things. So we thought wholesale was the way to go. Okay. But then we started to get inquiries from the stockist customers going, but do you have this and do you have that? And they were asking for, for seeds that either the stocker had the stockist hadn't decided to put in their shop. Yeah. Or things that we just, you know, were, were planning on in, introducing and and we sort of reacted to that and thought, well, if all these people are asking for this, how are we actually going to supply it to them? Sure. You know, we're not located somewhere where we can just have a shop front and people are driving past and they're going to come in. No. It's just not that kind of a location. Completely. <laughs> so I thought, well, I'm going to try to put together a website and see if people will buy off, off that. Yeah. And whether that would fulfill their needs. So I sort of jumped online. I looked at a few different options. Okay. And I saw that Shopify had a two-week trial, I think it was. Sure. And my theory was is that it had to be easy and simple enough that I could jump on there and create something that worked in a couple of weeks. Not saying it was going to be perfect or, you know, full of huge amounts of content or anything else, but I no. could put the seeds on there with a picture and a brief description and, and pricing and all that sort of thing, and they could go through, buy them. A prototype, a starting point, as anyone would start with. Yeah, and my theory was it had to be quick and it had to be easy and Absolutely right. not having a budget to go and pay someone else to do it. It had sure. to be something I could do, you know, reasonably quickly. And so Shopify met those requirements for you and you obviously found it simple and easy enough and you're still on it now, what, sort of two, two years plus later? Yeah, just over two years. So. Yeah. And so what, I mean, obviously everyone has challenges. What have been your biggest challenges in terms of the, the website and selling online? I think a lot of it is actually, for us, is around content. Okay is that, and I know even now looking at the website, I'm still not happy with it, which yeah, is okay. partly me anyway. And specifically always... what sort of content? Content about your individual products or more sort of helpful content about your sector in general? What, what sort of content specifically do you mean, Paul? Yeah, both. So okay. specific to the actual product and then also around actually how to grow things generally. Okay, so how-to instructional type stuff. Which is something that, again trying to react to what customers are asking I for. I bet people want that, right? They do, yeah. and we try to do that in terms of we have the growing instructions on the back of the packet for when people do actually buy it. Sure. And I think part of that is a good thing by keeping it simple on the website that when they get the product, then they've got the information to grow it so they're not kind of overwhelmed Sure. with information at the point of purchasing either. Yep, yep, yep. And in that way, we try to keep it nice and simple. For sure. But the other side of that is a part of the experience. If you're giving them useful information that you know a lot of people want, it enhances the experience they're having on your website, like as opposed to getting in the way of it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's sort of where we need to... That's it. where you're coming Our from, I guess. Our next step is to get to that point of providing sure. that content sure. in a way that's easy to digest. Completely. But without cluttering up the website, which we've tried to keep very clean and simple okay. without overloading it with information and For sure. as well. So yeah. I think sometimes you know, less can be more. Definitely, definitely. It's about putting it in the right place. Yeah, I and think. that's probably something where I'm sort of reaching the... Uh, limits of, you know, yeah. my ability to create a website that, that sure. stays within, you know, what I want it to be. Yeah, sure. But, I mean, that's, that's what happens. People start with something simple and then, you know, typically two to three years in, they'll start to have a need in the business where either they're too busy or the, some, of the, some of the knowledge or the technical know-how just isn't there in their business or they don't have time to look at that and then they, they, get, they get help and they, they take it to the next stage from there. We see that picture all the time. We don't often work with 
you know, startups because they're, they're able to do a lot of those early growth things themselves. Um, and it's when you start to go, well, yeah, I'd like to do this, this, this and this, but I'm not really quite sure how to do it in the right way and they might be a bit nervous about creating too much change or overcomplicating and, and then, uh, yeah, then, then they might have a conversation with us or someone else to help them out with it. It's a very common scenario. I think you're in that really tipping point sort of two to three years in and ready to do something more with it potentially. Yeah, and I think that was probably, you know, going back to the initial question, was the attractive part about Shopify was you could hook it up to a Facebook page and, and you know, email and all those things that you need. Completely. But all you had to do was go install app. Yeah. And you'd never have to look at it again. Pot potentially. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. in terms of actually that yes. integration, yes. you don't oh, have to totally. go back I know to exactly it. what you mean, for sure. You're absolutely right. Um, so it sounds like your your initial your your immediate challenges in e-commerce are around content and building that out so people can get more value from from I guess the experience of shopping online with you and maybe spend some more time on your site and have that give them value around growing growing the seeds out at home and that sort of thing. Yeah, and also explaining what we're actually doing and you know of course why we're doing it. Of course, so you're bringing your brand vision, your mission statement, your personality, what drives you, bringing all of those stories into the into the business as well for people to see and find. Yeah, I, I sort of prefer that idea of showing people rather than telling them. Okay. So, you know, a bit like, you know, having the, the growing instructions on the packet, it's a bit the, the same of with what you're trying to do, actually show them how you're doing it. Okay. And not just telling them that you are doing it. Sure. So do you mean video content then by default, or what, how, what do you mean exactly? I'm more mean in the way that you're getting the message across. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's very important, and, and telling, getting your personal story into the business is awesome for people. It gives something people to, to latch on to, to engage with, when they understand like the human motivation behind a business, can be very powerful. I mean, your story about, you know, coming from the CBD, making a tree change and getting into this, all that's interesting, and it gives your whole business authenticity, and something for people to engage with and understand is, uh, is powerful and works really well. I'd encourage you to do it. So let's talk about um, products and people. Um, obviously matching products in whatever e-com business anyone is in, matching the products to the right people, and we've touched on niching already before, is really, really important. Can you, um, can you comment on that in any way in terms of your experience? Yeah, I think a lot of it is about listening to the customer. Yeah. And they don't always know what they want. They can't come in and tell you, I want a, I want a packet of, of bean seeds that's got 40 beans in it. Sure. But they come in and they look around and you can see when somebody is finding what they want or when they're not. Yeah. And that was the, the biggest thing I found from the first couple of years of really getting out and pushing and doing markets and, you know, agricultural shows and any, yep. any other sort of a festival where I thought, I think my customer's going to be there. Yeah. And, you know, there were days where I went, to certain events and I got it wrong. Okay. And I stood there and I was very, very bored and, and it was the wrong time of year or it was the wrong demographic of people coming through and I thought, there's nothing wrong with the product, this just aren't, these aren't the customers. These aren't the right customers, and, yeah. And, you know, that's a, a lesson in itself. Is Completely. That not everyone is going to buy your product. That's right. So I mean, it can be so much energy burnt and frustration had by trying to get a product in front of everyone, whereas if you 
understand the customers and then target them, your win rate is going to go up exponentially once you, fi you find the right people. That's right, and that sort of comes back to that idea of, of having a, a specialisation or a niche. Completely. Is that you can, being online, it's a lot easier to find that niche and for those potential customers to find you yeah. than it is going to a farmer's market every weekend. Totally, and it's a really interesting point the way you put it in the, at the beginning of the conversation when you said, you know, e-commerce, the opportunity with it is to, is to find and have a niche but then to get enough customers, a volume of customers to make that niche work for you as a viable business. That's really interesting. I, I love the way you put that. It's awesome. Have you, I know you've talked about, you know, you want to build out the content around your products and your site in general, but up until this point, have you changed the way you present your products online in any specific way? I have to say I haven't really. Yep. It's sort of in a, a bit of a soft launch mode still sure. because what we tried to do in the last two years was, first of all, test that the, the actual demand was there yep. before we started to ramp up and produce a lot of seeds. Yep. And obviously we had to have some customers to buy those. Sure. So it's a, sort of a little bit of a chicken and an egg thing where Completely, yep. the website is, the look and feel of it is still very similar to what it was two years ago. Okay. And I sort of, having done the artwork from, for the seed packets, I literally created an image out of that and used that as the image for the product so yep. that people can sort of see that the image of the product they're going to buy actually looks like the front of the seed packet. And then that's what they're going to receive in the mail as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, And that was sort of based on, again, limitations of what we had available. We didn't have really high quality images yeah. and all those sort of things. So we just used the images that we had. And you're lucky because you have, uh, you know, you have quite a simplistic product in a, in a lot of ways. And I, I'm sure there's value of seeing, you know, a really high quality zoomed in photo of some seeds. But ultimately, you're not talking about a product that's hard to understand. People, if it's a carrot seed, well, there's only a certain amount of additional value to show the actual seed as opposed to the packaging and the end product, right? Yeah, and generally the customers that we get are people who know what they want. That's right. And yeah. they've already come there because they know what it is they're looking for. For sure. And all they really need is just to look at the picture to verify that it is actually what they're after, the product they're after. Completely, yeah. They know the carrot they want, they know the variety. Once they find that, they trust you that that's going to be what they're getting and you don't need to build out visually as much as some other businesses would the, the, the content or the photos of your products, which is, it's an interesting little place to be in, I think, for you and, and um, probably a lot easier for you to manage or a, a lot of products and, and, and the way your products are presented. It makes it a more simple process for you, I guess. Yeah. Which is a great thing. It's an advantage that you've got, I think, over a lot of other more sort of more technical or consumery products where people want to see different angles and full colour and zoom in and you don't have to deal with all that sort of stuff, right? Thankfully not. Thankfully not, yeah. I can see you're very grateful for that too, which is understandable because it adds a level of complexity and it's so important to that, that where it's appropriate, customers do want to be able to do those things. Um, what about um, apps and plugins? Like, what sort of apps are you running on the Perth Hills Veggie Co website, and which ones have been the most valuable to you so far? Well, we did all the usual ones. You know, as I said earlier, we used the Facebook and then yeah, so the social integrations, and Mailchimp, and yeah, whatever the successor app to that one is now. Yeah, and 
the one probably useful one we have is a it's one that only costs three dollars a month. But it, when products are out of stock, you can okay. It's one where they can put, the customer can put their email address in and when it's back in stock, they get notified. Yeah, which yep. for us obviously we do run out of things completely. Yeah, and we can't just always you know go buy some more from a supplier to no. You've got to grow them. You've got to produce them. So it could be six or twelve or eighteen months until we have more. Oh right, it could be that long. Yeah. Okay. Particularly with some of the more unusual okay, varieties. Okay, right. So can I ask you, just out of interest, like for someone who comes on there after some very, you know, one of the more specific varieties that you've got, and that's out of stock, and they have a twelve-month wait, if they have, if they get sent a notification after twelve months, do you have a high purchasing rate? from those customers, even though the time has been so long in between? With really unusual things, yes. Yeah, okay. Because they obviously haven't been able to find it anywhere else in that intervening period. Yeah. So you've kind of got a monopoly over them. <laughs> they're falling away. They can't go anywhere else. It's not available anywhere else. So they kind of, they're gonna, they are going to wait and they will still be ready to purchase when it comes back in stock. Yeah, and I guess probably with some of the more common things that go out of stock, there's probably not that same, you know, if it's just basil. It's a shorter wait. It's a shorter of wait, course, and there's course. not such a build-up, and also there's not such a pent-up demand for something that's not, you yeah. know, basil seeds are widely available. You can buy them, you know, locally in stores or online from other suppliers. Completely, completely. So it's not such a big deal, whereas no. if it's, a, say, a very unusual type of capsicum, then there'll be a demand for that. Yeah, I absolutely understand. Um, what are the primary ways you drive traffic to the website? Can you run us through that? We don't actually do a real lot of marketing at the moment. I, I had a feeling you were going to say that. Yeah, and that sort of, again, ties back in with the content part of it. Yep. Is that the, the next step of actually evolving? Sure. At the moment, I guess a lot of the traffic really is organic. Sure. Is it, you know... It's coming in... As your products are, no doubt. Yeah, I thought you'd find the pun in that. <laughs> oh, sorry, I couldn't resist. I should have tried to resist, but I just couldn't. Yeah, you could have thrown in something about growing the business organically oh, as well. I've been dying to do that, Paul, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so most of it is from collecting email addresses when we go to events. Okay. From, obviously, people who have bought seed packets from us previously. Yeah, yeah. You know. Obviously, you put the website on the back so that when, you know, when they want to buy some more seeds, they remember where to buy of them course. from. Of course. And so, can I just touch on that then? Your physical activations are still very much a part of your strategy. They are. Um, the physical side we've probably cut back on recently. Okay. Just because we are busy with other parts of actually producing seeds at the moment. Okay, right, yeah. And that's why, as I said earlier, we're sort of in a little bit of a soft launch phase, which is why we're not really pushing our marketing. Okay. We're not really doing a lot of physical activations at the moment. Sure. But we're sort of preparing that hopefully early next year, we're in that position where we've got the content right, the marketing strategy right, do some changes to the website. Yeah, yeah. Get all those, you know, ducks in a row and then give it a bigger push at the time where we feel like everything is lined up. The destination has to be ready to receive the traffic. Well, it does. I mean, yeah. it's nice to have done it this way and we can see that the idea works and that there is a demand. Completely. But then to actually build a business around a product that can take up to 18 months to produce, 
there actually had to be a little bit of a, a pullback to actually do that. Of course, yeah, of course, you're in a you're in a really interesting situation with what you do. That's that's unusual, I think, uh, in e-com, But um, it's really interesting to hear how you uh, you handle it. So, what what does the future look like for Perth Hills Veggie Co? I mean, you've just touched on a couple of things, but obviously you're on the cusp of sort of being ready to ramp up and grow. So, moving into 2020, apart from building out the site, what else have you got in in the in your plans for the business? Well, the plans are to scale up the seed production, in which we're already doing. Yep. But we should be able to produce more seeds and also produce more varieties of seeds. Okay. And that's the other thing we've been doing over the past couple of years, is actually sure. trying to track down and source... More exotic varieties, and so you yeah. can go deeper and deeper into that niche and become more known for the people that do seeds and can get hold of, of the more exotic and rare varieties, I guess. Exactly right. Yeah. So scale and, and developing out your, um, your, your products to offer more variety and more, more interesting variety to the people who are growing their own vegetables and herbs and, and um, I know you do flowers and medicinal herbs and that sort of thing as well, don't you? That's right and some of the, particularly the medicinal herbs seem to take a long time to grow and actually produce seeds in many cases. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Well, that's brilliant. Um, I mean, it's been really interesting. We love the look of the brand and it's really nice to hear a story from, um, you know, a business, an e-commerce business that's, that's quite different to, to the main ones we get. You're in a nice little niche and a nice little individual unique sector there. And um, so thanks very much, Paul, for uh, bringing the Perth Hills Vegico story to us on our podcast. It's been awesome. No worries, Ben. It's been fun. Thank you for listening into our chat with Paul from the Perth Hills Vegico. If you getting good value from our podcasts, please share them. We drop a new episode each week to give the e-com community the chance to learn from Shopify store owners, e-com experts and app developers. Plus, you can guest on this podcast yourself. To share your business stories, call Ben at the Cut anytime or hit thecut.net.au to get in touch. We'll make you famous. Thanks for listening. Access e-commerce expertise from The Cut anytime. Visit thecut.net.au and connect on Facebook and LinkedIn.